What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Complete Center's Guide. I am your host, Tyler Fowler, and tonight the prodigal son returns. Joshua Davidson is back with us tonight on CSG. And so, Joshua, brother, what is going on, man? How have you been? You've had COVID. You've been out for like a month now. We took a two-week break, and then we were back. Joshua Sherman and every David Russell and all of them. Thank you guys. Uh, Andrew from Andrew Does Apologetics took over You know, last week. We had a little break before that, and then we were back last week to talk with them guys a little bit. And now you're back with us, brother. So how does it feel to be back? And what have you kind of been doing? How was how was it like to have COVID? And what what have you been doing in your time off uh, from work, bro? Uh, well, I uh, thankfully am back to work now, but I was off of work and um, at home since the 22nd all the way until about the 11th. Um, my wife, uh, Emily, actually got sick first. Um, and, uh, she, she thankfully had a very mild case and it was isolated mostly to, you know, some soreness in her bones and her body. And, uh, oddly enough, it seems like COVID kind of hit both of us in, in like, uh, like the mouth, like both of us kind of got like swollen gums a little bit from that, which is, mm. I, it's, it felt kind of weird, but both of us had the same symptoms. So that's what I'm chalking it up to. But, um, yeah. you know, she, she got her, hers was mostly, uh, the migraine that was so troublesome. She had a reoccurring migraine, but myself, I actually had uh, an issue breathing within the first 24 hours that extended for at least the, the first three days, four days. Uh, thankfully, I was prescribed a uh, uh, regular albuterol inhaler. That seemed to be the most helpful thing that they gave me. Um, yeah. other, thankfully, also is very strong. So I seem to recoup pretty quickly. Um but I, I'm genuinely thankful to be back to work. I can't tell you how excited I was to see my guys and uh, and see the ladies in the program and all the the familiar faces and the staff over at the rescue mission. Like it's what, man, I, what I, was, I was really very very pleased to be there. <laughs> what was the first thing you did whenever you got back to work? I vacuumed out all the lint in the dryers that hadn't been touched because I knew <laughs> that would be the case. I and was not expecting me. that at all. Maybe dryer lint is flammable, meal. bud, and it's the kind of thing I'll lose <laughs> sleep over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dryer, man. All right. So you heard him just laugh, man. It, man but though, Josh, it's it's so good to have you back, bro. Like, I miss you. You are, like, you make up, you know, the other half of CSG, and it was not the same without you. We did, I think we did great. We had some awesome episodes, so if you haven't caught those yet, make sure to go back and listen to uh, the episode we did with Joshua Sherman, who's live with us right now, and David Russell and Andrew Elliott. Um, but Joshua Sherman, brother, what is going on, man? You've, you're back with us again, the the second co-host of CSG, kind of <laughs> informal. <laughs> nah, man, but you've got your podcast. You know, those those who've listened to CSG for any length of time know you, right? Tending our nets over on YouTube. So if you haven't checked that out, go check that out for sure. But Joshua Sherman, brother, what is up, man? You are back with us talking about the Imago Day, the image of of God. Again, we've had this discussion before, but tonight also we've got JD Martin joining us. Um and, and but but Josh, run run it run it by us. What what is going to be kind of the bread and butter of the discussion tonight? And how is it going to differ than what we've talked about in the past? Oh man. Uh well first I uh, you know, glad to be back. Also yeah. glad to be wearing one hat. 
because <laughs> I, I feel like last week I was like co-host and, and kind of a guest and David and I were going back and forth and that was really fun, but it was also kind of like, wait, I should probably co-host too. <laughs> so and thank you for um, being Josh 2.0, by the way, that was pretty legit right. of you being the, uh, the Josh in my absence that so fluidly could stand <laughs> in there. That was really top notch. <laughs> oh, oh, that's good, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's really, uh, I think it was a good conversation last week. This week, uh, really just looking to to kind of continue and, and mash up a, a couple of different conversations that we've been having on CSG. So, um, you know, a few, what was it, about a month ago, we we did a pretty, you know, kind of deep dive on the image of God in one of the roundtable episodes that we did on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, really just talking about what the image is and who has it and uh, a lot of those kind of, you know, details that, that um, I feel like we kind of know some of it from the Bible, but we also kind of just don't focus on it much. And I, I've been really digging into it more, and I really feel like it's kind of central to so many things about how we understand the the arc of Scripture, the story that it tells, the the salvation we have in Christ, all yeah. of these things. Um, and so I wanted to to continue that conversation, but also recognizing that part of the conversation when we're talking about the the state of humanity is, you know, recognizing that things didn't go very well in Genesis 3, and right. there, there was fallout from that. And so mm-hmm. what do we look at in the Bible when we see Adam and Eve, humanity, created in the image of God, and what happened there? And um, you've had some really great conversations, I think, with, with J.D. Martin looking at uh, some different ways of looking at kind of what happened in the fall. That's right. So I, I had just had this kind of idea in my head of like, why don't we, you know, bring these two things together? Um, mm-hmm. because they're definitely related, right? And then just right. kind of see where it goes. Right, no, absolutely. And that's what, you know, whenever you brought the idea to the table, bro, I was all on board with it because I do want to combine these two. Because like you and I were discussing off air, this is kind of a Calvinist and an Arminian, disc- you know, or, or non-Calvinist discussion, and, it, and it's going to be an interesting one uh, whenever J.D. gets here. But Josh, just so you, or first of all, let me let me talk to my listeners real quick. If you got a question about the Imago Dei, the image of God, you want to ask Joshua, myself, or Joshua Davidson about it, and J.D. whenever he gets here, one Eight five five four five zero six six two four is that number to call. And I just want to thank everybody listening on KQQ eighty eight point three FM and the website kqqradio.com. You guys are amazing, and we love you. Uh, but if you got a question, hit us up. That number again one eight five five four five zero six six two four discussing the image of god humans are created in that image what does it mean so josh for those who didn't uh joshua sherman for those who didn't catch those episodes uh last time what did what what conclusions do we come to there's a functional view of god uh, or or the functional view of the image of god how we represent god and what god created us for in that so could you dive into that Mm -hmm. just a little bit um to like maybe bring the people up to speed who didn't hear those episodes yeah uh just a real quick kind of overview of the the main images or main images <laughs> uh the main views of the yeah. image of god uh that people yeah. had in history um it's funny because view and image are so related and i'm just i'm getting confused it um, is bro. yeah so <laughs> we just want um, you guys to see clearly was what we're saying <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> oh yeah um so the the main one that you really see in church history, you know, for, for most of it, I think it is looking at the image of God and talking about it in terms of some kind of capacity or or property or ability that that humanity has that makes us unique. Uh, so 
um, you know, a lot of times what you end up with is something like self-consciousness or conscience or reason or, you know, something along creativity, something along those lines that we don't see in the same way in animals, right? Because this is theoretically one of the things that kind of sets us apart from animals is being made in the image of God. Right. Um, and there are some challenges with that view because as we learn, you know, more kind of about animal consciousness, some of those things seem a little bit less set apart than mm-hmm. we might feel comfortable with um, when we're talking about that difference. You also have some questions around ethics and saying, well, you know, if someone's, you know, in a coma, do they actually have those things? at that time. And if right. they don't, what does that say about whether they have the image of God? Right. So right, right. those kinds of questions get thrown around amongst theologians and philosophers or, trying to kind or of even, or even the out. yet unborn. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the yeah. baby who's in the yeah, womb. Yeah, absolutely. In the state in some sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Well, it's like yeah. Dr. Heiser says, you know, if you want to make the image of God into something like that, like consciousness or something, you know, to that effect, you're going to have a problem with the unborn, you know, cause what, what role or what point do they start having brain function? And if you got a, you know, a guy that's a vegetable, for example, you know, somebody that's brain dead. How right. does that work in the image of God? So that's what we're discussing here. That's what we're talking about, yeah. right? And it is interesting, those things. So, Josh, I know there, there there's, what, two more views? Yeah. Um, the functional view. And then what was that other one? The relational view. So I'll, yes. I'll talk about that one first. Um, yeah. The relational view is, is basically just looking at it and saying, really, basically, there's two categories uh, that you have. Uh, you either bear the image or you don't. And what makes a difference is whether you're in relationship with God or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I think there's some validity to the, that dynamic. The problem that I have with that view is I think that it's too black and white uh, because the Bible doesn't seem to talk about it quite in those terms. Uh, so I, I right. think what we have is more of a sense of like the deeper in relationship you are with God, the better you're going to reflect his image is is kind of what we tend to see. Um and so right. um that's that's that view. And then the other one is is essentially a functional view and this is basically looking at it and saying um that humanity was essentially made as imagers of God like it's a verb yeah. that we were designed to represent and to embody God on earth to reflect his glory. Um and and this is something th- an extension only humans of that, have, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and then an extension of that that, that uh, some other people have kind of looked at, you know, in scholarship is, is recognizing that the way that things are talked about, there's also this dimension of being created as children of God when you talk about being created in the image of God. And so what does that mean? What, you know, because we see different ways that people are talked about as children of God or children of, of wrath or whatever in Scripture. And how do you kind of sort that out uh, is, is part of, you know, I think the conversation. Right. No, absolutely, man. Uh, Joshua Davidson, what are your thoughts on the image of God? Well, I, um, I, I unfortunately didn't get to t- take part in the second half of that roundtable right. discussion last time right. as you were talking about that. Mm-hmm. But there were certain parts of that that really stood out to me in terms of um, the the overall um, structure of, of of the story. Let's say in terms of the the narrative that is present all throughout Scripture from the beginning all the mm-hmm. way to the end, where you go, where you li- we literally went from garden to garden is kind of the yes. the thing that's happening here is ultimately we have we have a, a, a you know a, a garden sandwich with sin in the middle and god deals with it by putting himself right in the center of all of it by embodying himself in the same bodies that we have and and creates a new kind of 
way that we can be in his likeness and restore that image, like you said. And this is something that's been yeah. really impactful for me in terms of my overall uh, understanding of what my role is in reality. It's like, yeah. I, I am here. I am living. I do have sinful inclinations. I do have decisions to make. I do have things that I need to fulfill and responsibilities and obligations. And I do have the guilt of my own failure. And it's like, what do I, what do I do with that? Because it's one thing to say, I should have faith in Christ and trust what God has already done for me. That's, Mm -hmm. that's well and good. But now where do I go? Like, what am I to do with this information beyond just Yep. Sounds good. Punch my how ticket to I, heaven. Like, how do what I am I, what am I to do now? to engage yeah. with this information and, and yeah, actually yeah. grow and learn? And like you said, become uh, a better likeness of the image that I bear rather than this marred, ugly, tainted, scarred kind of guilt machine that I've become in, in my own conscience. It's what it feels like often. And so that kind of role reversal where I see what Christ has become as the innocent man, but dying as a criminal and so forth, and just really filling the whole of human experience and, and putting, not, not being separate from, from human suffering, you know, but putting himself right in the middle of it and dealing yeah. with it hands-on is just something that really shows me the way that I ought to deal with my own life is really hands-on, fully invested all the way, like participation with the divine and uh oh, did we lose him? I have the privilege of of doing with God as he as he shows me how, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, right, Josh. You cut out there for just a second, bro. Um, what was that last part again? Like you cut right back in there, right as you were wrapping up, but you cut out for a brief second. Um, I was, I was, I was just saying at the 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 thing that's really been impressed upon me is the fact that Christ was, was, was fully invested and hands on. And it displays mm-hmm. to me, not what, not just what he did in my stead, but also what I am to do with what he's done for me. I that's am right. to be hands on and fully participatory. I that's am right. to be forwardly minded toward the kingdom and shunning evil. That's what I'm to do to be like him and reflect his likeness and be that restored image to show others what their capacity is. They were made in this image. If that's correct, then I should show them what that ought to look like and starve their bones for it. Mm. No, yeah. That's right. Joshua Sherman, what do you think? Like, you going to want to piggyback yeah, on I'll, what Josh said or? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess uh, it, it sounds like JD is on. So um, that's, that's great. Um, I think maybe what I'll do is just kind of say, you know, how I think the various views kind of fit together. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, if JD wants to weigh in on kind of how he sees the image of God, I think that's a good introduction to some of the rest of the stuff that we'll talk about tonight. Yeah. Uh, and maybe the whether we're coming at it from exactly the same angle on certain things or from slightly different angles, uh, I think that's helpful. Uh, okay. So of the views that are out there, the, the, that sense of is it a, a property or something, an attribute that we have? Um, or is it whether we're in relationship with God that determines whether we have the image or not on a, on a binary yes or no? Uh, or whether it's a functional view where we are created to be children of God and to represent God on earth and to embody him here uh, in, in a, a faithful way. Um, I think the primary view that we see is that kind of functional identity children view, uh, yeah. that we were made to represent God. And that when we talk about the attributes that we have as humans that seem to be somewhat unique or that we have maybe more than other creatures or something like that, those are things that can help us to um, display the image of God to represent God well in a variety of situations, 
uh, with the creativity that we have and, 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 and such things. Um, and then the relation, relationally, I do think that view has some validity, but it's more like when we're in closer relationship with God, then we're better able to reflect uh, the, the fullness of, of his image. And that's something that Christ does that work in us to enable us to do that. When we're more distant from God, then we're yeah. less able to do that. Uh, so that, that's kind of how I fit those puzzle pieces together. Right on. J.D. Martin, brother, what is going on? Welcome. Welcome back to CSG, brother. How you been? And yeah, I mean, you, so you've been listening to the conversation now. Um, what What are your thoughts on the image of God? Do we see that functional view really played out um, in, in, in the Bible, or do we go back to church history and see what the, what they've said uh, to this to this argument? Yeah, so what I would say is the the image of God is is ontology, right? That it's fundamentally who we are. We are made in the image of God. Um, and so, yes, I think, well, let's just back up a little bit. What is an image? I mean, at its basic notion, um, an image is something that represents or uh, has the appearance of something else. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so when we are described as the image of God, what we're described of is the representation of God. Now, of course, um, there was limitations to that. How do you represent the invisible God? Well, how do you visibly represent <laughs> yeah. the invisible God? You, you know, obviously totally. there's, there's limitations, right? How do you uh, – the omnipotent God cannot be fully represented because uh, that would be – the image itself would need to be omnipotent and so forth and so on. Uh, even sure. even earthly images, even earthly pictures of human beings have their limitations. So right. a picture is a uh, is two-dimensional Right. Mm-hmm. And so we are three dimensional. Even if you make a statue, well, the statue's not alive. So yeah. every, you have, we have to understand that images have their limitation. None, nevertheless, an image should represent something. And that's mm-hmm. why God is so offended when we make idolatrous images, when we make these yes. images of God as, as these uh, animals and bulls and all of these other things. And, and really, I think the, the biblical narrative is God is so offended that we'd represent him with these man made images when he himself says, I already made an image, namely mm-hmm. you. You are my mm-hmm. image. You are my representation. You are to be a, a reflection of me. And so when we understand that theme and that concept, we also understand how the image of God has been damaged. So we have not lost the image of God, right? We see that in the Bible that even post-fall that it says to kill a man, you deserve death because you're killing an image bearer, someone who bears mm-hmm. the image of God. Mm-hmm. That would make no sense if human beings were not still in God's image. If so in some so that, sense yeah. – is that is that a universal yeah. thing for you, JD? Is every person made in the image of God then? That's something we all agree on, I guess, right? Yes, absolutely. Every human being is made in the image of God, uh, including uh, infants and, and retards. Excuse me, I don't mean retarded in a bad way, but people who are completely vegetable, right? Yeah. And so even if you were right. completely vegetable, you, were, you're still, you never, if you're a human being, you are in the image of God. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But certain people are more in the image of God than others, right? And, yeah, and yeah. so what I mean by that is, that um, Hitler is less of the image of God than Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ is the supreme right. image of God. Well, um, and to that, perfectly represents him. Good. Yeah, well, to that, JD, too, it's like whenever someone and Josh Sherman and I were talking about this off air, whenever there, there has to be some kind of designation or some kind of distinction between someone who is a new creation, someone who's been regenerated, right? Yeah. Even though an unregenerated person is still in the image of God, right? The, the regenerate person is in the image of Christ. Like, and, and yes, the two go hand in hand, but can you yeah. kind of talk to that point a little bit? Is there some, and I don't know if more, like we're more in the image of God's like, you know, grammar or whatever, yeah, but I is mean, that appropriate or, or, or what would you say uh, to that? 
I mean, I'm, that's the term I'm using. Now, if someone wants yeah. to quibble about that, that's fine. Sure, but sure. really, let's not quibble about terms. Let's quibble about the concept. And the concept yes, is sir. this. Amen. That what we see in uh, Romans, it says that the Jews who are especially, I mean, we, there's this concept that humanity is supposed to image God, but, but they have fallen and rebelled, and he's given them over. And then the Jews, well, now they are kind of a new Adam, right? And they're mm-hmm. supposed to image God. And that's why mm-hmm. in Romans chapter 2, it says, all day long, my name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Right, mm-hmm. because when people see you, they think of something about me, namely God, and it's completely wrong. So when they yeah. see you, who are hateful and, and proud and um, unreliable and faithless and all these things, right, they think, well, if you represent God, then God must be all those things, yeah. which is a complete misrepresentation yeah. of who Ooh. God is. Yeah, yeah. That, and and so, we see that in Ezekiel too, in, in Ezekiel thirty-six, that God talks about His name being profaned among the nations mm-hmm. because yeah. they're an exile. We see that in modern churches, and, man. <laughs> I know. That's why I was just going to yeah. say it's like this is why it's yeah. so important to live like Christ. If you claim to be yeah. a Christian, you should reflect God because, I mean, unbelievers Amen. can say the same thing. Unbelievers can say the same thing about Christians yeah. today. Well, our Jesus could say the same thing. You know, they blaspheme the name of God because of the way you act, because of what you do. So it's just all the well, more important to act like Jesus, right? Yeah. I think and it I, actually I, gives I, us the reason why the main the main charge we see from the unbelieving world against the church is you hypocrites. Mm. Yeah. 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 JD, so we see that say? what's interesting though, yes, I agree the church can uh, fail to uh, completely image God and all of these other things. I I want to almost fall off on a discussion real quick about this idea of hypocrite. Let me just real quick, let me quickly digress. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Um, what's interesting about the term hypocrite is we often uh we, we we often take that term hypocrite and just you know say you know it just becomes this derogatory term of of someone who fails to meet up to their own standard or the standards they give on others right mm, but yeah. I I think we missed something here um the, the the term hypocrite in in Greek actually meant actor pretender yeah. and so when you read the Bible he says right. you hypocrite we shouldn't look at someone necessarily who's missing the mark because mm. then we all have a Christian no, no. stuck right like a Christian <laughs> right. stuck in sin. Mm. Yeah, what he's really saying is, you pretender, you faker. That's mm-hmm. what he's calling these people. You are a fake. You're an mm-hmm. actor. You're someone who's pretending to be something, right? And so it's one thing for a Christian to fail and to misrepresent God. And that's what we were talking mm-hmm. about. It's another thing for him to be an actor, a pretender, a complete sure. fake, someone who pretends to represent God but actually doesn't even know him at all. It is not a proper representation uh, of him at all. So, anyways, I digress on that I, that concept. No, I think it's a Does, good point to make. The concept of mask comes into that too, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, because yeah. The, the actors would put mask on. Mm-hmm. Right, and this is concealing their. Oh, identity. you're talking about like old plays. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I mean, that's the kind of theater that they would have had, and and you know, looking back in in um, in first century Palestine and kind of the area around there, especially in the, the more Hellenized towns, they had yeah. theaters that were doing that kind of thing. So, um, I mean, that, that's a pretty direct connection to say like, no, like you're not actually representing God. You're, you're kind of putting on this God mask. Mm. Um, and, and we see that so much see behind that. We see yeah. that today in the, in the body and behind the pulpit, you know, it, it's a tragedy yeah. really. So that's interesting though. I really like that point, JD. Thank you for that. Yeah, And I, and I would say also, um, it's not just, uh, believers who can mm-hmm. misrepresent God and, and blaspheme his name, which we can, right? And we do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully hopefully, we also let our light so shine before men that they may see or give all good works and glory to God, which I also think we do. And sometimes we're misrepresented as being bigots and evil people when in fact we're just being faithful to God's word. 
um, and people yeah. just don't like God's truth and they right. just throw money on us. Right. But right. well, uh, whenever you say, redefine it, you know, whenever you redefine God's truth to something that you're that offends you personally, right? It's you're going to get hatred for that. You're going to get flack for it. I mean, but that's what they're doing. They're redefining what God says. You know, you cannot do this. I mean, the Bible mentions this so often, right? It's like woe to those who call good evil and evil good. That's what is happening mm-hmm. right now. Sorry. Right. I mean to- no, no, good. I, I was just going to say also. It's not just Christians who, I mean, again, all humanity represents God. So therefore yeah. all humanity, when they sin and they act evil uh, and all these things, they are so, actually acting like the devil and not him. So they're misrepresenting yeah. that. I just had a question. So is that what, is that one of the reasons like God can and, and does hold humans accountable, right? It's like, well, somebody could say, well, I don't want anything to yes. do with God. You know, just I'll do my thing and he can do his or whatever. And we'll just stay out of each other's way. Like I know people like that, yep. but that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact you're still made in that image of God and you're still being held accountable for how you represent God. Yes. yes I think that's absolutely. exactly it. Okay. Yeah. That's what we see, you know, in Romans 1. It's what we see in Romans 3. I think when we talk about all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that's saying both Jew and Gentile have sinned. And in sinning, they have then fallen short of actually representing God well, which is tied into the image and tied into glory. And that's what glory actually is talking about there. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good question. So then can I ask ask everybody here, like, kind of a tangent question, but I think is really, like, under the belly of what we're talking about, really related, because... This is something that was touched upon in the other Image of God episode that we did on the roundtable is the idea that falling short of the glory is to, in some sense, um, uh, add a deficit or a lack to your ability to properly reflect God and his, his glory through the image he put on you as that representation. Your function for him is to be in relation. So it's actually a combination of those two views, which is what I'm kind of picking up from you guys here is that it's a combination of those two views. We are in relation with God. We don't get, that's not an elective thing. God made us and thus created the relationship to him. And we can in fact damage that relationship by way of our own choices and, and participation with the wrong things versus the right things and kind of Mm -hmm. deviate from that intention. So God's intention seems to be the biggest thing here. So then I, I yeah. would have to ask for, for just so that I can understand we're all explicitly agreeing on, on everything we're talking about here. Everybody that's made is made in the image of God and everybody that's made that's made in the image of God has done something to deviate from God's intention when he made them thus becoming sinful, right? Is this, yes. would no, we all agree right. with that? Yeah, I would completely agree. I would, I would say, and kind of going back to what Tyler was saying, um, was that this idea that you know God can have His space, I can have my space, and we just don't cross each other's path is is utterly blasphemous and ridiculous. Uh, you are a creature made in the image of God. You are a creature that is uh, accountable to Him, right? And so He has created you with a purpose. He has the manual. He intends you to represent Him and to do what His will. And so you by saying I'm going to do my own thing is an act of complete rebellion against them. Yeah. It's to do exactly what the opposite of what he wants you to do. Right. And by default, it would you... be to deviate from his intention, right? Like as, as yeah. like God being the inventor and we being the tool, let's say if a hammer yeah. says to the guy who makes the hammer, no, I don't feel like hitting nails anymore. I think I'm going to go and paint houses. Like you're not yeah. doing what it was you were made for. And the damage that comes out of that is twofold. Right. Yeah, or think about like a, a robot that has AI, right? And this robot that has AI was designed 
um, to build houses, but instead goes on a killing spree. Mm-hmm. Well, this robot is not just, well, you know, it can say, well, I'm just gonna do my own will. No, no, you, you were created. You were created with a design. You were supposed to do something, right? And it's mm-hmm. even worse because let's say that you were supposed to represent me. And now people see me as this ex murderer. Person. You're a killer. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 It's like, this is not me. This is not, I designed you. You're, you need to be destroyed. You need to be yeah. put down. I well, would. It gets wrote- even more, more so because when, you know, we see how Christ brings us back to what we're supposed to be, the way that Paul talks about it, that's integrally part of the restoration of creation. So, yes. Not only is it breaking the relationship with God and breaking something in ourselves and the, the relationships we have with people around us, but also having a, a bad effect on creation as well. Yes. Amen. Yeah, and I, I think we have to, to understand uh, the Imago Dei and all of that. We have to go back into the garden. And, and so yeah. what we have there is the very first thing um, that we are told about man is that God made us in his image, right? In, in the image of God, he made it's actually interesting because it not only says that he made him in his image, but it says male and female, he made them, them. in the image yeah. of God. Right. And so I, I think even in the image of God, there was a, there was a relational reality that just as uh, humanity is male and female, i.e. a plurality, uh, there is, there's, inc- there's personality in our relationships there. So in the, mm-hmm. the Trinity, there are individual persons or there are people in the Trinity that have that relational reality, but that's not the main point. The main point I wanted to get to, <laughs> was he tells these image bearers, right? He tells them that he's going to make them king of, uh, to rule over his yes. new creation as his representative. Not only that, though, he tells them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And mm-hmm. they're supposed to subdue the earth and have a bunch of children who will also be in the image of God. And mm-hmm. this, what God's doing is filling the earth with his own images. <laughs> okay. Right. Yes. right. That's right. God's design. And if we go to the very end of the book, it happens. The entire yes. earth will be full of the glory of God being stuffed with image bearers. Which right. Is an amazing story. It shows God's territory, kind of getting back into the A&E, you know, the ancient Near Eastern view that shows God owns this earth. Whenever you have your image set up in a territory, it shows that you own that territory, right? And their thought, so God putting those, you know, us in all everywhere to fill the earth, God's saying, this is mine, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, guys. Really good stuff. Josh, at the end of your question, uh, Davidson, you, you said thus becoming sinful. And I forget kind of what you said, but that's kind of stuck with me. What did you mean by that? Like, like ontologically, like you become uh, like a sinner or or or, or just kind well, of labeled no, you're you're held accountable for that sin at that point. The, the context of the question was specifically what we were talking about in the last image episode when yeah, uh, yeah. Sherman brought up the idea of, uh, of all of us all, all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? Mm-hmm. And how did we fall short? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So okay. then sin as a byproduct makes okay. us a terrible mirror in some sense. The damage is done that's twofold because it's not only ourselves that we damage, but also others often are damaged by our sin as well. And what we're doing is is twofold in some sense where we're both ruining our own reflection as well as marring someone else's often. And that's that's Mm -hmm. what's happening. And we become uh, let's yes. say like uh, something that I've also learned from 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 considering this whole thing is the idea of becoming is really a very uh, emphasized thing in the New Testament uh, that yeah. Christ became so that we could become right. This is yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. something that that's a an ongoing 
that we are in, that we're participating with. And that's something that's really, really impactful for me, like I said, to see how Christ was hands-on and fully invested. So yeah. tying that back together was kind of just this, like, when you're hands-on and invested, whatever it is you're doing, you become. Yeah. And so yeah. what if what I'm doing is um, uh, embodying the, the character of Christ, then that's what I'm becoming also. You're becoming a servant. Like that's what right, you're, like, you're becoming what he that. represented. Yeah. Yeah. On the opposite end of that, if what I'm doing is embodying the opposite Christ, that too is what I am in some sense becoming in that moment. Not that I'm saying that I'm, I'm at all advocating for a loss of salvation or anything like that. Right, I'm speaking right. narratively. And when we talk about, because it's not like a, a Christian person is incapable of sinning, right? Yeah. You're still capable of deviating from God's divine intention. Even if sure. you're directly oh, yeah. indwelled by his spirit, you're capable right. of deviating from that intention. And that's it right. becomes that much more bothersome to the spirit that's in you because of the becoming. Yeah. Right. And so when I say we sin, we deviate from the divine intent, we become mm -hmm. sinful. Mm -hmm. Does that make more sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like the sin starts in, in, in enveloping you like you start becoming. It, it's kind of like the wolf, like the two wolves that I learned about whenever I did N.A. Right. What, what you feed it, you become. And so I know there's kind of like holes in that or whatever, but it's you get the analogy. Right. And so, yeah, no, I'm right on board with you, man. I get what you're saying. So absolutely. Josh Sherman, your wheels are spinning. Yeah. I can feel it. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to say, I mean, it, there's kind of two levels you can you can look at that from. Right. Yeah. Um, one of those is, is looking at the personal level and just saying, like, me, when I do this, it has an effect, right? Mm -hmm. um, the other level, of course, that we see that in uh, in the narrative of Scripture going back is saying, you know, why are we in this state that we're in right now? And part of the reason for that is what Adam and Eve did in their sin and how that impacted humanity. Yeah. And, you know, you've had some some really good conversations with J.D. on on kind of how that fits together in, in his view and your view and just kind of trying to kind of yeah. explore that. And so um, one of the things I wanted to do is just talk about the image and the fall and what, what does that look like? What happened there? What, because uh, I mean, it sounds like we're all in agreement that we still have the image in some way, okay, but yeah. that it's not doing what it's supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. That we're not doing what we're supposed to do usually, um, and that, that there are things that God does in order to bring us to a place where we can actually do that the way we were originally designed to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. Can we, can we go to a text to look at some of that? Go. Oh, absolutely. But yes, that's fine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, what happened uh, to the Imago Dei? Again, so we know that we're made in the image of God, and we know that we, in some ways, remain in the image of, uh -huh. of God. But we also know that salvation is the renewal of the Spirit, the washing of regeneration. We also know that Jesus says that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is the spirit, and we must be born again. So even though we're, we're made in the image of God, something has terribly gone wrong. We have this concept called the flesh that leads us into sin. And so mm -hmm. to me, we can philosophize, but I'd rather just go directly to Scripture and, yeah. and see, well, what does it say? And I think um, there's two scriptures that come to my mind. First Corinthians uh, 15, which says, And Adam all die, but in Christ all will be made alive. That's First Corinthians 15, 22. Um, and so there, no matter how we interpret that, it's very clear that in connection with Adam, death has come upon all of us, right? Every human being yeah. is uh, mortal and not only mortal, but actually does die. Uh, except of some strange act of providence, but uh, mm -hmm. because of their connection with Adam, just like uh, also in our connection with Christ, those who are united to him will be made alive, be resurrected forever, and dwell with him in a new heavens and new earth. 
So there, there's one text that tell us um, that not it doesn't exactly tell us what happened to the Imago Day, but it does tell us that what Adam did was not isolated himself. Absolutely, I, I think we can all agree on that, right? Um, yes. The reason we die is because of Adam. That's what it says. Well, in in the same you know um, same book, same chapter, you know, we have this description of the image of dust and the image of the heavenly, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, yep. kind of carrying that forward and, and saying it's not that we're only in the image of dust because we do maintain something of the image of God, but like the image of dust matters, <laughs> you know, yeah. and the image of the heavenly matters, and and you know, God does a lot to bring us from from one to the other, from the the new the old Adam to the new. Absolutely, I, I really want to go to that image of dust and. Um, the, the, the heavenly man, but I'm going to restrain myself. We should go there though. Uh, that's super fascinating about what that's talking about. Anyway, so let's, let's, let's go to um, Romans chapter five though. Um, Romans yeah. chapter five. Uh, again, I think maybe this scripture is actually more helpful. What happened to the Michael day? What happened to us? Uh, it says in five twelve. therefore just as sin came into the world to one man and death through sin. So death spread to all men. And then the English version says here, because all sin, I would translate this better because of this, um, because of this all sin. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, and and so w- what what happened is Adam. I think what this scripture is telling us is that uh, due to Adam sinning, sin came into the world, and something else came with it, namely death. And yes. there is two types of death: physical death and spiritual death. Um, and we know that physical death certainly came in, uh, but I also think that spiritual death. This is this is a reference to the flesh uh, has come into uh, humanity. And so now humanity has this new entity that this corruption, right? This spiritual corruption that has happened to men. This is what we call the flesh. And it's because of the flesh. This is the reason that we fundamentally sin is because of our sinful desires. I mean, I like to tell people this. If I could eliminate your temptations, I could eliminate your sin. Mm -hmm. No one has ever sinned without temptations. And temptations come from without and within. Um, the, the struggle is that we have temptations without, but even worse, we have temptations that are within within us innately. Um, and, and this is the thing that even regeneration does not fully destroy this. This is how marred we are. The Imago Dei is not destroyed, but it's marred because the flesh is not part of the image of God. The flesh is the corruption of the image of God, and that's what we all have. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and just to be clear there, when we're talking about the flesh— Paul doesn't really put those as, as, as opposed to the spirit in the sense of, of physical reality is bad and spiritual reality is good the way the Gnostics did. He's doing right. a little bit more something nuanced there, just in case anyone's listening to those words and, sure. and not really understanding that, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I don't think he's he's not the, – the, the flesh inherently is not evil, right? Right. But it's mm-hmm. corrupted. I mean, our liberal flesh is corrupted. Um, mm-hmm. I do think, though, when he refers to the flesh, he is uh, going beyond um, – like most theologians, he's going beyond just a physical corruption. Uh, he's yeah. talking about our nature being uh, corrupt. Josh, I'm curious because I, I do, you know, listening to this now kind of brings me back to the conversations that we had on this before. But how do you view, you know, Romans 5, uh, 1 Corinthians 15? Because you would see this verse kind of differently than the way JD is describing it, right? Like, whenever you guys say that we're in Adam and that we died in Adam, you guys mean different things by those statements, right? Or where, where, where do you stand on it? Yeah. Um, I, I do think we, we see it differently. I think some of it just comes down to nuances around what we're talking about when it comes to death. Um, and, and then, um, kind of how, um, how that plays out 
when you're talking about the relationship between sin and death. So it, it gets a little, <laughs> it's a little complicated. Um, you know, I, I tend to look at that and um, I think it's, it's pretty obvious when we look at, at you know, Genesis at three and, you know, talking about Adam and Eve being separated from having access to the tree of life yeah, uh, and them being, you know, our ancestors, like physical mortality is, is I think the direct uh, result of their sin. Sure. Um, and then, um, personally, the way that I tend to look at it, but I'm interested in exploring some of the nuances of this, um, is that when we talk about, you know, the, the second death, we talk about spiritual death, um, at the end, right. Um, Mm -hmm. when we come before judgment, um, Christ is going to raise all of us, everybody, but then you have a question of where people go, right. Are they going to glory or to judgment? And our sins are what lead us to the second death, to being led to judgment after resurrection. Um, and, you know, unless of course, you know, we're in Christ and like, there's obviously that dynamic too. Um, so it's not just the, like one, one sin will get you out. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. but you know, our sin is what, what creates that death in us and that needs to be dealt with somehow. And I think that that's dealt with in Christians as we become united to Christ in well, yeah. faith, in baptism, and um, they were added in his death and then in his life, right? I think, you know, honestly, I think what's important is the fact that everyone's going to die unless Christ comes back and that we need to be regenerated, right? Like, these are the things that we all can agree on, right, without getting too far into the details of the text and hermeneutics and all these different things, though important, right? But that's kind of where we're standing. So I, I really appreciate that, dude. But just so you know, everybody's on the same page. That's like where we're at, you know, or that, at least that's where I'm at. J.D., what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with anything I heard. I, there was a yeah. reference to baptism. I'm hoping that was referring to spiritual baptism, but we don't we don't need to make this a baptism debate. Sure, um, sure. But um, the only thing I would say is there's another dead. There's another death, right? Jesus says that to the widows, yeah. uh, there are two types of widows: those who are truly widows, those who set their hope on God, uh, those who spend their time in prayer and fasting, and so forth and so on. Yeah. And then he says there are the self-indulgent who are dead while they yet live. Mm-hmm. In in Ephesians chapter two, it says you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Um, and, and so there are people who are currently, he said, Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Um, there are people who are spiritually dead right now already um, in their dead condition, and they need to be brought to life. And that's why uh, Jesus talks about going from uh, death to life. That's regeneration. It's coming alive. So there, there is not just um, physical death. Yes, there are. There's ultimate death, second death. Absolutely. But there's also a, a spiritual condition that is metaphorically described as death here and now. Uh, that we become raised from when we receive eternal life in Jesus Christ, and and so that's the death that I'm talking about. To me, that 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 death, that spiritual condition, is uh, to be a slave of sin. It is to be mastered by your sinful nature. All of those things, right? Um, right. And, and and it's that that um, that we also need to be delivered from. We need to be it's delivered like- from our sins and our and, and our and our sinfulness. Right. Yes. And that's kind of where you and I would go and say that's where that new heart comes in. Right. That's what gives you the desires to do the good things, because, I mean, that it, it seems to me anyway, whenever Jesus talks about evil deeds stemming from an evil heart. Right. Then logically it can be concluded that, well, good deeds stem from a good heart. So therefore, with the regeneration aspect, those things will flow forth. So basically where I go with that, just from a personal aspect and to a to apply that practically is not to really question my salvation. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, I'm regenerated. Why? Because I want to please God. And that's something that you know, you know, and that's something that's 
for you. It's a, it, it is a feeling in a very real sense, but it's more of a knowledge, right? And so just yeah. you know, just to kind of add to that, um, I, I would agree. Go ahead. Tyler, I, I definitely, I definitely agree that um, the greatest testimony uh, to know that you're saved. Well, there's a couple. One, the Holy Spirit confirming your spirit that you're Son of God. There's no greater testimony than that. Yeah. Uh, Two, a transformed life is being able to say, I was once lost and now I'm found. I was blunt, once blind and now I see. I see uh, the, the effect of God uh, that transformed my life, right? And I also see the new affections that um, that I have. Um, so, it, it, and I, I currently see that I'm looking and loving and, and believing in Jesus Christ. I would say all that. The only thing I would mm-hmm. say is this. Um, if you ever lose that assurance from the Holy Spirit, if you ever look at your life and you see you're walking in darkness, all of these things, I think it's perfectly biblical to question your salvation. And and to say, am I really saved? Yeah. Right. Um, and and, yeah. and to look back to that cross. And I know you. I don't think you disagree, do. but I just. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Like it's kind of a natural, quote unquote, for me anyway. Like if I'm in sin, I do question that. Like, am I really saved? Well, why am I living like this if I am? Right. So yeah. I don't know. That's just that that one's for free. <laughs> Take that one home with you, and like, but but really apply it. Like that's something I think we all should do. You know, and, and kind of like I was telling Josh, I think it was Josh, uh, the other night, you know, if we would, if we would spend, if Christians would spend half time, half the time examining their selves as they do other people, like mm. we would be a lot better off. Like this play, like the body of Christ would be a lot better. Just half that time, bro, to, you know, examine yourself and, and really see. But that's one of the things that, like I said, comes naturally to me if I'm in sin being actively disobedient is, quote, am I a Christian? If that answers yes, no, maybe, I don't know, well, then the second, like I said, the follow-up question, the only logical follow-up question is, well, why am I living like this if I am? Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things to really keep in mind there is the the actual function of shame. Um the, mm-hmm. in, in Western society, we thing. look at shame as a bad thing because mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, someone's pushing me out is kind of how we see shame. Um, and the way that it was really practiced in, 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 and still is actually in the, in the Middle East and Mediterranean and, and back then, uh, in the first century and, yeah. and even ancient times was, you know, the, the shame was, was something that you used to try to draw people back in when they were already kind of stepping on the outside. Right. So yeah. uh, if you have someone and we see this in Matthew 18, when, when uh, Christ says, you know, here's what you need to do. If, if you have an issue between mm-hmm. you and somebody else, you need to go to them. Right. Mm-hmm. So you go and you apply the least amount of shame necessary to bring them back into relation, proper relationship. And if they don't, sure. then you bring others with you. Right. And then mm-hmm. before the church, like there, there's that escalation there. But the escalation is always for the sake of bringing that person back into the fold, not pushing them out. Um, yeah, and that's right. I think that's the kind of thing that we see in our relationship with God too, is, is that we look at the shame and we think that's a bad thing. I think we're supposed to feel that. And the reason that we feel that is God saying, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Now come yeah. back. Right. Yeah. 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 I, w- I, w- I would say the same thing about pain. Um, mm. I mean, in, in a perfect world, there will be, there will be no pain. There will be no shame. Right. But in, in this fallen mm. world, um, that pain is, is, is an indicator something's gone wrong. <laughs> Take your hand off the fire. Yeah. It's hurting you. Uh, yeah. If you're in shame, stop doing things that are shameful and be restored, right? So shame yeah. and, and pain all can be, um, they can be negative things if you're being wrongfully shamed and, and, and wrongfully inflicted pain. Yeah, but, absolutely. but they are, they are in fact gifts from God to, to help us navigate this fallen world. 
Bro, I'm telling you right now, I got, I'm sitting here with a fractured elbow. Like, I just got x-rays on this thing today. If you watch the poor episode, the open mic, you know this already. I had a bummed elbow. You know, I fell, took a pretty gnarly fall. But I'm telling you, JD, pain sucks right now, bro. It is a good, it is a gift of God. I agree with you, but man, it's kind of like being sharpened. It, it, it hurts. Yep. It's it, molding Amen. hurts, bro. And Amen, so, but, but I, will, I learned I will say a lesson. This, I will say yeah, this, yeah. if you did not have that pain, it does stink. I, I agree. But if you did not have that pain, that's right. you might continue to use that arm and never have it back. Right? That pain that's is true. saving you. <laughs> that pain is telling that's you true. what you should and should not do. Mm. Amen. Amen. And I'll have that reminder for the next like three to six weeks, I think they said. <laughs> so anyway, but Josh, uh, let me get, let me do this. Um, we got about nine minutes left. Sherman, yeah. do you have any questions that you wanted to ask JD specifically about like just anything that has yeah. to do with the image of God that you heard on one of the past episodes that we did or something that we've mentioned tonight? Like, is there anything you want to bring up uh, in the you know, last like eight minutes? Well, and, and this isn't just for, for JD, but I, I wanted to, to get his, his kind of input on this too. Um, one of the things yeah. that I, in looking at this and kind of thinking about it and sitting with it for a while when I think about all people being made in the image of God and God being in, in the business of recovering that image in, in, in his church through Christ, mm-hmm. I have a hard time reconciling that with the idea of reprobation okay. and kind of related mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, for me, as a non-Calvinist, I can't figure that out. <laughs> um, so like I can see that as kind of like a, Hey, here's an argument I can put forth and maybe this is a defeater for, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. but, but really just like asking that question in good faith, just like, I don't really see how that works. And I would love to explore that more because I think there's something there that maybe can help us better understand both of those pieces of things mm-hmm. in, in whatever direction that yeah. ends up going. Yeah. That's interesting. That's very, very interesting. So maybe you can flesh that out a little bit more and then maybe I yeah. can in- engage with that. Okay. Um, yeah. So thinking about things like this, um, why would God create his image expressly for mm. eventual annihilation or eternal destruction? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That oh, I love it. It's yeah, really uncomfortable, right? Yeah. I don't know no, what to do with that. Well, I don't know what to do that either. So, uh, so I think what we have to do, uh, first off, I would say is uh, if you're a Calvinist and you're a super lapsarian, then um, I got nothing for you. And all I have is, um, <laughs> I was going to say complete disgust, but that would be too strong of a word. I, or too light, I'm not sure. Uh, all I have is words of disagreement for you, right? Um, so mm. super, just so people don't know, who either don't know, superlapsarianism uh, takes the end and, uh, and, and, then the, the, and then works backwards and says, okay, so in the end, there's going to be people who head to eternal damnation and people who are going to be uh, in glory. And so because that's the final outcome, then that's what really God wanted the entire time. And so what mm. God said was, I need some people that go to hell. I need the people to go to the glory. And, and then he figured out, okay, what do I need for people to go to hell? I need them to be sinners. I need them to never Sin. never believe yeah. the gospel. I need, well, how do I get them sinners? I need Adam to fall. I need to get, and, and it, it works like this, right? And, and this is mm. absolutely monstrous because what this does is this makes damnation, condemnation, um, the cause of sin, not sin, the cause of damnation. So oh, the reason that uh. you sin is because God needed you to sin to damn you. You're not damned because you mm. sin. You sin because God already determined that he needed to damn you for some reason. It's horrific. It's horrible. Mm. It's blasphemous. It's completely against scripture. And no one should ever hold this view. 
That um, is quite I, a short circuit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's really yeah. unbelievable that anyone would, would actually hold this view. Uh, it, it really is logic gone amok. Um, better to say, I don't know than to say things like that. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, so, so anyways, I, I think that how that relates to the Imago Dei is uh, I, I think that, you know, this is causes a very strange problem because when we actually read Genesis, we see nothing of the sort. We don't see God uh, trying to uh, entice people to sin or, and, and wanting that. No, what we see is what we already talked about. We see God creating image bearers to bear his image and fill the earth. And God is going to accomplish that and nothing sure. will stop him. That's what we see. We don't see this, this other thing. However, though, mm. nevertheless, we do see image bearers who are uh, headed to perdition. And so let me just get away from Calvinism. I uh, already beat them up. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's just think about that for a second. How do we relate the doctrine of eternal damnation? Doesn't it doesn't matter unless you're a universalist, you believe image bearers will be damned right. eternally, mm-hmm. irrevocably, right? H- how do we relate that to this idea of image bearers? I mean, and here's where I will say this: mm-hmm. um, this is where we have to do our theology from the Bible and not from philosophy. Because if I sit here in my armchair and think about the, the, the grand scheme of image bearers and how God can't be defeated and what God's trying to accomplish <laughs> in, in a garden and all that other stuff, I would become a universalist in my armchair mm-hmm. because that makes sense to me. He creates these image bearers. He will win. In the end, the earth will be full of his glory. It's these particular image bearers that he planned on filling the earth. It will happen. Universalism is true. Then I open my Bible and see eternal damnation. Yeah. Because he knows what saying. Yeah. Right. And, and, and well, so I, what I was good. I was going to say, I, th- I think, I think the overlap that, that I'm detecting, cause I'm listening to you guys do this little exchange here. It's very, um, that was very condensed, but there was a lot of information in there, but <clears throat> what it sounds like is the overlap between, um, the, the idea of eternal damnation being, being a judgment for those who, who are deviants. It's, I think the overlap between that and the fact that God made everyone in their image is the fact that God, had an intention by making everyone in his image. And when we deviate from that intent, like you said, it would be, it would be like if you made a creation that was explicitly for being your public representation. And then that thing, because you gave it the ability to represent you. And one of your aspects is in fact, um, like a, like a a self-awareness of your own freedom and relation as a self among other selves. And this self that you made decides to abuse that privilege and make you look like something that you aren't. And then you say, now the privilege needs to be revoked from you because you're not meeting my intention. Hey well, guys, I, I, I think that's maybe where we see the that sense where Augustine looked at the fall as as a happy fault, right? Yeah. Because right, in yeah, being, becoming Copa, mortal, right. we became able to repent, and so I think when we look kind of down the lens of it, when we're past the point of being being mortal, yeah. we're now past the point of repentance. And, yeah. and that's an interesting thing to kind of bring into the conversation to start to think about. But um, I'm not saying I figured that all out. It's just like right, another right. piece of the puzzle for me. Uh, yeah, guys, let me. Let me jump in real quick. We got about a minute left. Are we wanting to drain this over on Streamyard, or are you guys good with cutting it off here? I'm okay. I'm okay with going to Streamyards. I mean, you want to um, go maybe like but, half hour, forty minutes, maybe. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Josh, I'm all right, Davidson. Too. Okay, thank you guys so much for joining us this time. Josh Davidson and I have got Dr. Tim Stratton coming on next week to join us for a conversation about Molinism. So that'll be fun. Thank you all so much. KQQRadio.com, 88.3 FM. God bless. Good night. And we will see you next time on the Complete Center's Guide. See ya.